Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live as Father James Gross coming to you from our studios in Grand Forks in the near Southside Historic District in beautiful downtown Grand Forks, North Dakota on a bright and breezy summer morning. And I am joined as always by uh, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning. Good morning, Father Gross. It is so good to be reunited. We were, we were flying solo last month without you. Did, did you have a good retreat? I certainly did. Yes, I went down to to uh, the Benedictines in Minnesota, so it was far enough away to be away, but uh, close enough by where it wasn't uh, too um, too difficult to arrange. You look all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to proclaim the word again. <laughs> <laughs> we are really looking forward to uh, our conversations here this morning, and we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But before we do, I'm going to call upon you, Father, to uh, lead us in an opening prayer today. Absolutely. For uh, the privilege to be with all of you today, and um, our hope that God uh, speaks to these airwaves and touches hearts and minds and imaginations. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify you. May we be your great glory. Father, may you be manifested through your word in these in these airwaves today. Uh, come, Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life. Come into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories. May we be fully alive um, in the spirit, spirit of God, uh, may we be the the light to the world and the salt of the earth. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And we are so grateful for all of you folks uh, taking time to join us in the midst of what you have going on today. We have some great conversations coming up, and we're going to launch into the first one right now with our uh, regular uh, monthly uh, literary uh, session here, and we have Nancy Gord uh, joining us once again. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Well, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I think we have to um, take uh, Father Slattery to task. He's uh, playing hooky today, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's... uh playing hooky in Rome, I believe. So. Oh. Ah, that's right, yes. Um, yes. The, uh, the, uh, the um, uh, pilgrimage is, uh, right. is commencing for those students who are entering their senior year of high school in the Catholic uh, schools throughout uh, North Dakota in order to uh, make their summer pilgrimage to Rome. Um, really the first time in three years that it's been done mm-hmm. according to the way that they're used to it. So I guess he has a, he has a valid excuse, oh, right, has- Father? That's a great excuse, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we are going to be visiting about uh, a work uh, by one of my favorite uh, American authors, so why don't you just go ahead and, and launch in and, and introduce what we're going to be talking about today. Certainly. Well, we are going to be discussing the Willa Cather novel, Death Comes Through the Archbishop, uh, a novel set in the American Southwest. And uh, the story starts in the mid-1800s and, and covers about 40 years 
in the lives of two French priests uh, who are missionaries, and they are working to reestablish the Catholic Church's important work and bring order to its current situation in the Southwest. Uh, the two, Jean-Marie, Jean-Marie Latour, and Latour means the tower, and Joseph, uh, and I'm going to say Valence, but I'm not sure the pron- pronunciation, the French word for valiant, mm-hmm. are two vastly different characters. And they, they are great friends dedicated to the work of the Church. And, of course, they're reestablishing the order of the Church there, because now that is American territory. And even though there are still priests, they're under, shall we say, the jurisdiction of Mexico. And they're kind of reclaiming that. And uh, in the book, they do explain that it was 200 years prior that there was almost a massacre of the religious and an ousting of the religious. So they're kind of dealing with Native attitudes, Mexican attitudes, Protestant influence, and then the church as it is when they leave Ohio, these two friends, and for their assignment in the Southwest. It's a marvelous character study of the two men, and also the geography is so prominent in this work that it's a character in itself. Yeah, almost sort of a travel log, you might say, of the various areas from having to make their way to eventually what is now uh, New Mexico. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the history is fascinating of that area. I remember the first time that I uh, visited Santa Fe, I uh, hadn't realized that um, it had been colonized so early that in the early 1600s it was established as a territorial capital of the colony of, of New Spain and some of those uh, original structures in the downtown have even been preserved, you know, upwards of 400 years. So um, this is really a kind of a, a peek into an interesting uh, history in America that a lot of people may not even realize. Right, and she does. Uh, well, and this is based on the work of an actual priest who became the archbishop there. And right. his name, um, Jean-Baptiste, Lamy, uh, right? Lamy, mm-hmm. right, yes. Uh-huh. And he he died just about the same year that uh, the archbishop in the book passes away. So, mm-hmm. no, it, it is, it, and she celebrates that land. You know, she has set other books of hers in Nebraska, and she celebrates that area, too, which to me would be so vastly, vastly different from Santa Fe and Albuquerque. Could could you introduce our listeners to Willa uh, Cather, just her her very interesting life that she lived and and why why is she so interested in like the geography which she brings out so incredibly in her works? Mm-hmm. She does feature it a great deal, and I and in every single book, geography is definitely an important element, but she really celebrates it. Uh, well, you know, she was a journalist. She grew up in Nebraska. She published and was successful and was awarded some prizes. She is not a Catholic, which is very surprising when you read some of her work. 
because mm-hmm. she really has Roman Catholic sensibilities. Yeah, it's interesting because she was she was Baptist as a Baptist. Her family were right. Baptists, and then um, she eventually became uh, Episcopalian. Epis- yes. But um, but it, it is interesting because like especially two of her works it, like at so m- there's so many Catholics who really do think she's Catholic because she right. captures this and kind of one of the things I was interested in like um, she has a famous work about World War One and and some of the critics of her like there were there were some harsh critics of her saying like well she she didn't experience the war what what authority does she have to write about it and you know and she used other people who had experienced it in their 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 experiences to bring it alive, but what, how do you, so, uh, you know, what, what's, Nancy, what's your theory about how, I mean, because I don't think she toured through the Southwest. I mean, she spent her life in New York after, she, it was in the right. 1980s that she grew up in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. She, she mm-hmm. experienced Nebraska as a frontier firsthand, but she, mm-hmm. she really, she wrote this from New York. So how, I mean, how do you, how do you think she brought the geography part of it so alive without, you know, actually being there. I just really think it has a lot to do with, I mean, she was a journalist, so she certainly could interview people. Certainly there were reports coming from the area and descriptions, perhaps artwork, photography. But she has a sense of being there. And in terms of critics, when you look at all the fantastic books that have been written, in terms of time and place they're creating new worlds it's not necessarily that you have to live there and be part of it in order to express it it's mm-hmm. almost like she had a southwestern soul when she writes this this book yeah so it, she's it's such a southwestern essence mm-hmm. You know, so here's the to give the the listeners who maybe aren't familiar with her just the, the, I'll use the word magic. She she gives mm-hmm. a she has like this magic spirit that comes forth that really just draws you in. Um, in theology, there was we had an elective, and this is one of the books that was presented in that elective. Four four of the seminarians were so inspired by this work that they literally took a pilgrimage and they went in the, they went on the journey. Of, mm-hmm. of the archbishop to all the places that are mentioned in the book, and they they did this over uh, like a three week period once, and it just anyway. So it was very inspiring mm-hmm. when they came back and their experience of reading the book and then going through the geography and going to the places and actually going back through right. all of it. it was, you know, and I also think about um, one of the things that comes to my mind is that Willa Cather is sort of an author for what we would now call flyover country. You know, when mm-hmm. you think about her mm-hmm. having lived in Nebraska and uh, shining a Light, you might say, on certain areas uh, within the country, um, you know, it can become sort of wearying that uh, you know so much ink is spilled, uh, you know, literally or figuratively about New York City or, or L.A. Or, or that sort of thing. So I think, especially many of our listeners, that could really be a selling point that uh, there's a, a real affinity for kind of our neck of the woods. And she, you know, she reminds me a contemporary or. In modern reminds me uh, actually of Kathleen Norris and her book sure. she did. Mm. You know, bringing how do you bring the prairies of North Dakota alive to somebody who's never been here and even give them a desire to come and experience it firsthand? Yes, it, it, it's very similar. Um, the power of well, the word. and and she really viewed the Southwest as a, a place of such profound, unique beauty. I mean, her descriptions of the mesas and the red soil and the dust. Uh, in such a place of possibility. And yeah. one of her, you know, her themes is is really bringing order and tradition 
to a place in order to ensure the future. And I think I think that is such a profound theme. And but one I, of the reasons, yeah. and it, you've read the book, so you know these two men who are, are wonderful friends have such different personalities. You, right. you have the archbishop who is very scholarly, and I don't know, I always get an air that he's a bit patrician in his bearing. Very thoughtful, very aware of politics, very pragmatic. And then you have Father Joseph, who is lively and sickly and energetic, and people are just drawn to him. So you have these two personalities who kind of bring out the best in each other to give the Church everything that it needs at the moment. And the Holy Spirit, you might say, works in what would be otherwise divisive within them in order to find that common mission to, to set some of those barriers aside. So it becomes complementary instead of competitive between the two. Oh, absolutely. Right. They, it, it's what, what someone lacks, the other has. And there, Father Joseph, who needs a little bit of restraint at, at the end of the book, towards the end of the book, and the next to the last, she calls them books and not chapters. The novel itself is very episodic in nature, which some people criticize, but I think life is episodic, so, mm-hmm. you know, why not? But he goes to Colorado for 20 years, and he becomes, Father Joseph becomes, the valiant one, becomes bishop, and he's been working among all the mining towns, but with all that restraint, of the intellectual side of Father Latour, he gets in a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you see how they need each other. Right. Even though at times he might have been felt like he was, you know, kicking against the goad, there was some of that uh, uh, fraternal correction that, that served him well in the time when the two were but, together. But it was like Father Valiant himself drew Father Latour out of his tower, you know, to come to, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how their weaknesses force right. each other to actually become more than mm-hmm. what they would have been without yeah. each other. Well, as it happens, there are a lot of different aspects that we're going to be looking at in this uh, novel. The name of it is Death Comes for the Archbishop by a renowned American fiction author, Willa Cather. We are visiting with Nancy Cord here on Real Presence Live, and we'll pick up the conversation after this break. Please stay with us. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. 
For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA, or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. On a Thursday, Father James Gross joined by Father Jason Leffer, priest of the Diocese of Fargo. Delighted to be with you here today for our uh, monthly journey in this uh, literary conversation that we're having. We're going to resume in just a moment. Before we do that, keep in mind that at the bottom of the hour, we will begin our straight talk segment. And we really enjoy being able to hear from you uh, questions, uh, observations, you know, anything of that sort. Um, We uh, look forward to having those conversations with you directly. 877-795-0122 is the toll-free number that you can call. Uh, If you uh, are not able to do so, um, feel free to leave your message on the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. And so, Nancy, we're 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 uh, we're diving into this. Uh, Willa Cather's um, "Death Comes for the Archbishop." Now, I remember the first time in seminary when I was introduced to this book and I saw the title. I thought we were going to be studying a murder mystery. Is this Agatha Christie? <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, honestly, that's what it sounds like. So, yeah. um, just let's jump in here by saying, why the choice of that name for the title, uh, and, and help our listeners understand what that's about. Well, truly, it. You would think that you're going to be getting clues and you're going to find out who the suspect is and, and all of it. But really, this is an episodic book. And, like, life is episodic. And Willa Cather divides it into books rather than chapters. And Death Comes Through the Archbishop is the final chapter or book, like it is for all of us. And I... I really believe it has more to do with the fact that one lives his life, her life, knowing the inevitable. And the work that we do, and we've discussed this on different programs too, the meaning that work gives to one's life. And so through this entire book, he is doing this work for the faith, using the abilities and the gifts that God has given him. And that life comes full circle. It comes all the way back. He's speaking French at the end. He's taken to his bed. He is being tended. Uh, 
tenderly and lovingly by those people around him who have grown to care for him. And it is the inevitable that death, this, this sounds very gloomy, but death does come for us all. It is the work and the life that one leads that comes to fruition and helps us to acknowledge the end of one's life hopefully well-lived or lived to the best of one's ability. And he has done that. And now death, the inevitable, comes for him. It's been coming for him all along. Now, another interesting thing is, you know, that Father Joseph, the valiant, uh, was also called like the cheater of death because he was so sickly. All the time. He was sick all All the time. All the time. And, right. But no, it it does sound like something that hints of a crime or someone's life being put in danger, but it really is just the nature of life itself that lends itself to the title. So, F- Father and I Gro- personally oh, think it's fitting, right? Father Gross or Nancy, too, could, could you, because you did it on break, and mm-hmm. I think this is very important, can you describe for us the spiritual effect that happens to you when you enter into one of uh, Willa Cather's novels? What, what happens to you? Yeah, I guess what I was mentioning is that there is, um, uh, the joy comes not only from just the, the virtue that is on display and wanting to uh, harmonize one's own life with that and to be, uh, and to seek inspiration from it, but just the relatability you know of uh, the the human uh, foibles or just kind of the ins and outs um i was thinking of not only this novel but uh, there's another one which um i i I, I guess I like Death Comes for the Archbishop a little bit better, but uh, Shadows on the Rock, which is the one mm. about uh, Quebec and uh, early missionaries uh, in that area. So, I mean, there is a similarity in terms of the planting of the seed of the Word of God and, you know, Christendom and, and a kind of mission territory, even though it's not, you know, that one is more about, uh, you know, various lay people, you know, but uh, still, um, yeah, I guess that's one of the things that came to my mind. Nancy, how about you? I mean, you had some powerful insights there, too. Well, first of all, I think Willa Cather has a beautiful writing diction. It is uncomplicated and yet so meaningful. And she uses symbolism very, very well. You talk about the planting of the seeds. There are religious people here who, and one of them, I think it's Father Gallegos, who has all the Native people around him in his parishioners haul up all this dirt, you know, to the top of the mace, and he has a wonderful no garden, water. and everybody's responsible for water and more water. And, and uh, even when they don't have enough for their own needs, they have to water his garden. And then you hear about Father Latour bringing these precious seeds to plant trees. He's very big about planting trees. But it is this wonderful symbolism of bringing the seeds of the faith to be planted in what, in spite of the look of the geography, is extremely fertile ground. The people need to but hear it. You'd need to but give them the seeds of the faith. That order and that tradition to grow and become these these plants and these gardens and and these trees in the future. Uh, she, She uses her words beautifully, and also in a very touching, simplistic way. When 
Father Joseph leaves for Colorado, and he's very excited. He's been planning the structure of his wagon for ages because he's going to be working among these mining towns. And if you remember, Father Latour says to him, well, if you're going to take Contento, the mule, Mm -hmm. you need to take his friend because they cannot be apart for long. And that is one time where Father Joseph, he's been writing a letter and he's holding it in a tear falls. Because symbolically, yeah. those two animals are the two priests, and they and, shouldn't and they be come, parted. They come on early in 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 the well, novels. Father well, and they Joseph, represent, they're yeah. both two mules, basically. <laughs> right, they are two mules, and Father Joseph gets together. the first one, and he pretty much says to the person giving him the first one, "Well, I really should have the second one too, because." <laughs> they can't bear to be apart, and I'm going to have this mule, and Father Latour will not. And so, yes, he's very clever in that regard, too. But, uh, no, it, it, they are resourceful people, and I think for, for both of them, sometimes you question their actions, but you know they both think it's for the betterment of all. Yes, indeed. It, it, I mean, it really it, it brings forth just the the whole Catholic principle of grace builds on nature. You know, I mean that. I think that's what she does so beautifully here, and I think that's why many of us are are shocked to find out that she's not Catholic because she she really captures the essence of the sacramental life of, oh. of the spirit and the physical coming together, bringing forth life, and how God takes our foibles and our faults, and if we consecrate them to Him. Um, he brings forth good. So, like even, even how she chooses the the names and the different priests who represent different sins that come forth, or the right. ones who are disobedient, and how one of them he loses his soul, and the other one repents at the end, you know, and comes back. Right. Or, or the, the the priest that they finally the natives, you know, rise up and they they throw him <laughs> over the cliff, you know, because well, and he's and know, he actually in that scene is very resigned to his fate. And he doesn't supplicate or, or do anything. It's just like, well, it's come to this. And uh, but no, but you talk about the representative priests and their frailties. But you know, you have gluttony, you have greed, you know, you have lust, uh, pride. I mean, they, you see that in uh, Father Martinez and Father Gallegos, and the priest who did repent. I believe he was the one who had hoarded all the gold in the floor. Yep. I think he wanted it dug up for and used maybe for masses. For and then him. the other, you know, the other powerful theme there is the um, the, the role of the woman, even the, the blessed mother. But then how it comes through in the the women be behind the scenes who are making things happen impossible. And you, you can water the seed all you want, but apart from the woman, the life is not going to come forth. You know, right? Oh, and the, and the character of Magdalena is, is a wonderful character as well, and it's so terrific to see how she healed through the book because um, she is married to this horrible man mm-hmm. who has mistreated her and she is you know she pretty much warns the priest by a silent gesture you know see, you are he's going to kill you and, and again i mean how again this is what's so surprising you would think that she's a catholic because um she's obviously using the role of mary magdalene from yeah. sacred scripture and bringing it alive in a contemporary way. And there's also this powerful theme of the the old world and the new world coming together right. and finally finding peace in a way to die in the new world. Like, somehow christening it by the sacrifice here 
uniting the two. I mean, and this is why she's so, such a powerful author. I mean, you, just, you, you can't come to end of all the themes that are in there that are coming alive and... And it's it's yeah it's very sacramental and it's like reading the gospel in a certain way of the the new world you know yes indeed so we are uh, starting to uh, run low on on our time here with our conversation uh, with you today Nancy but um, we were wondering if you were uh, looking ahead if there's uh, something to sneak preview for for the next time we get to visit with you well I have looked at some titles and one I would think would be a great choice would be the worst hard time and we always always have these like the long loneliness death comes through the archbishop the worst hard time nancy we promise not to psychoanalyze you on air (laughs) (laughs) but this is is, uh by timothy egan and really it is one of the best nonfiction books i have ever read and it talks about those years of the dust bowl its origins, its causes, its effects, how people dealt with it. And it's extraordinarily well-written, the worst well, hard time. you're going to be introducing, I think, Father Gross and myself to new literature. This is a new one for us. We're excited to, oh, to find out I, about I it. I hope so. you enjoy the read. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Nancy, for uh, taking time, uh, as always, uh, on, on our program here. And uh, blessings uh, to you as we continue on with the summer. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, and the same to you. Well, um, up next will be your chance to call in with your questions on the Catholic faith. The Straight Talk segment is coming right up after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 